LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign halfy face emoji cat emoji activists launch an assault on the New York Times for its shockingly objective coverage of the trans agenda. Nikki Haley officially launches her 2024 campaign with a speech that slaps both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And the Congressional Budget Office reports that America's national debt is headed for disaster. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, folks, karma comes for everyone. And the New York Times was slapped by karma yesterday when a bunch of LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign happy face emoji tilde that's little squiggly thing that goes over the Spanish letters, hashtag dollar sign, pound sign, cat emoji. When that group of people decided, along with some of their allies, that they were going to write a letter to the New York Times decrying their coverage of the trans agenda. Now, the New York Times in the last six months has decided to finally cover the fact that there is something controversial about genitally mutilating minors, that there might be something controversial about giving kids untested sterilizing drugs because they have a mental disorder that suggests that they are a member of a sex to which they are not, in fact, a member. The New York Times has been covering things like the fact that there are a bunch of people who get these quote unquote treatments and then want to detransition because it turns out that this was a giant mistake. They've been covering the fact that there's been a huge scandal at the Tavistock Gender Clinic over in the UK, where it turns out that quote-unquote experts in this field were essentially recommending hormone treatments to small children who had autism, for example. They've been covering the fact that in Europe, places like Sweden and Finland, they've actually been banning a lot of this sort of quote-unquote gender-affirming healthcare for minors, specifically because it is highly damaging. So the New York Times has actually been doing the unsayable. They have actually been covering the news. Now, this is something the left is not used to. And you got to sympathize with the left because for literally decades, all the New York Times did was basically cover the left-wing agenda and, and do so in glowing fashion. If there was any news that cut against the left-wing agenda, the New York Times would just not cover it. It just would not be covered by the New York Times. Journalism was foreign to the New York Times. And so when they did an occasional act of journalism, you know, a couple of years too late, and by a couple, I mean like a decade too late, uh, then, then of course, the LGBTQ plus divided by sign activists, they got very, very upset. And you can understand why, because... Again, they had it set in their brains that the New York Times was one of us. They were on our side. After all, the New York Times, and this was the same exact group of people who decided that it was necessary to oust an op-ed editor for having greenlit an op-ed from Tom Cotton in the middle of the Black Lives Matter riots, pointing out that riots might need to be quelled using the National Guard. And you recall that this op-ed editor literally lost his job over this. You recall this is the same New York Times that went after one of its top science writers for the great sin of suggesting that there might be contexts in which using the N-word to elucidate a point might be necessary. And they, they literally fired the guy over this. You recall, this is the exact same New York Times that canceled Barry Weiss because Barry Weiss had the temerity to not agree with generalized agenda items of the New York Times, despite the fact that Barry is a center-left person. And Barry is not a conservative on the vast majority of issues. But she happens to be pro-Israel. She happens to be anti the, the transgender radical agenda. And this was enough to make the New York Times absolutely insane. And so Barry Weiss had to go. And they allowed the Slack channel to be filled with people at the New York Times abusing Barry Weiss day in and day out. This is the same exact New York Times that spent years defending the falsehoods, the outright falsehoods of Nicole Hannah-Jones, not just defending, promoting with millions of dollars in press. Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is still given a role at the New York Times, despite the fact that I'm not sure she's written anything for the New York Times in the past several years. All she does is make crappy Hulu documentaries continue to lie about American history. So again, the left felt that the New York Times was its preserve. And now the karma is coming for the New York Times. 
The New York Times, which has spent years trying to cancel everybody on the right. New York Times had a front page article just a few years ago, and it featured pictures of people like me and Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin. And it suggested that we were mainstreaming hate on the internet because what we were doing is we were acting as a sort of conduit to the alt-right. The same New York Times that has spent reams of paper and barrels of ink going after people who are even remotely on the right in order to get their advertisers to cancel them and in order to destroy their livelihoods. Now the New York Times is being hit by the same people that it thought were fellow travelers. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. So again, here's how it went down yesterday. So there was an open letter that was released by 200 plus New York Times contributors. So what makes you a New York Times contributor? You once wrote an op-ed for the New York Times, which means by, by that definition, I am technically a New York Times contributor because I did write an obit for Rush Limbaugh in the pages of the New York Times. And then there was a whole list of people who, who supported it. And that the list of supporters is, is almost endless because it's basically just a bunch of randos online who signed their petition. So what exactly did the open letter say? It says, Dear Philip, they're writing to Philip Corbett, the associate managing editor for Standards at the New York Times. Dear Philip, we write to you as a collective of New York Times contributors with serious concerns about editorial bias in the newspapers reporting on transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. Wait, are, wait, you're suggesting the New York Times has editorial bias, guys? Wow. The irony, the irony is too rich. I don't know if I can handle this. Plenty of reporters at the Times cover trans issues fairly, write these contributors. Their work is eclipsed, however, by what one journalist has calculated as over 15,000 words of front page Times coverage debating the propriety of medical care for trans children published in the last eight months alone. Wow, 15,000 words of front page Times coverage over the course of eight months? I mean, just to get this absolutely clear, by the way, 15,000 words over eight months is not that many words. That's the truth. because. A, a, an average lengthy article in the New York Times might be 3,000 words. You're talking about maybe five articles, four or five articles over the course of eight months. The newspaper's editorial guidelines demand that reporters, quote, preserve a professional detachment free of any whiff of bias when cultivating their sources, remaining, quote, sensitive that personal relationships with news sources can erode into favoritism, in fact, or appearance. Yet, the Times has in recent years treated gender diversity with an eerily familiar mix of pseudoscience and euphemistic charged language while publishing reporting on trans children that omits relevant information about its sources. So uh, what, what exactly did the New York Times do wrong? I, I love this. They're angry. All these contributors who are, in fact, friendly with the people at the New York Times, they are contributors. And many of them are personal friends with the people who work at the New York Times. They're like, God, you, you guys are supposed to be absolutely objective and bias-free without a whiff of favoritism. That's why we, as your friends, are writing you and telling you exactly what you should and should not print. All oh, the censors coming from the New York Times is so delicious. For example, say these open letter writers, Emily Bazelon's article, The Battle Over Gender Therapy, uncritically used the term patient zero to refer to a trans child seeking gender-affirming care, a phrase that vilifies transness as a disease to be feared. Uh, no, that's, that's idiotic. Patient zero just means the first patient. Bazelon quoted multiple expert sources who have since expressed regret over their work's misrepresentation. Um, well, then they shouldn't have represented their work that way to the New York Times. Another source, Grace Ledinsky-Smith, was identified as an individual person speaking about a personal choice to detransition rather than president of GCCAN, an activist organization that pushes junk science and partners with explicitly anti-trans hate groups. Well, but was Grace Ledinsky-Smith a person who um, detransitioned? Because that would be the relevant category in which to place them. They're talking about their personal experience in that particular case. It doesn't matter. They're going to pretend that there has been a journalistic sin committed. There has not been a journalistic sin committed here. The only journalistic sin by the New York Times is that they are years late on this thing. The journalistic sin that these people are upset about is that the New York Times did, it, did a journalism. 
They oopsed and did a journalism. And now the Alphabet people are very, very angry at them and they're looking to cancel the New York Times and particular writers. They want those writers punished. That's really what this is about. Again, you, you can't trust so many people out there who have your interests not at heart, who actually kind of despise you. And this is just one reason why when you look at your wireless corporation, when you look at the people who provide your phone coverage, you should think about who exactly you are spending money on. This is one of the reasons why we use Pure Talk here at Daily Wire. Big business, especially big wireless businesses like AT&T and Verizon, they're always going to try to lock you into those multi-year contracts with these big penalties. Pure Talk is a no-contract wireless company. It's the only wireless company to offer a 100% money-back guarantee. They're so sure you're going to love their service. If you don't, they'll give you your money back. Stop paying a fortune to Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk. Their U.S.-based customer service team makes the switch super easy. Switch over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. It's what I did. I take all of my business calls on my Pure Talk coverage. Puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Make the switch the same way that I did. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. Puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Okay, we'll get to more on this in just one second. First, does it make sense that a single company controls 90% of all internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do? on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between you and your online activity and the people who exploit that online activity. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, their software hides your IP address. This is something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all of that without slowing your connection. What I like most about ExpressVPN, it's really easy to use. Download that app on your computer or phone, tap one button, you are now protected. So Stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben right now to learn more. Okay, so this open letter to the New York Times from its contributors continues. In a similar case, Katie Baker's recent feature, When Students Change Gender Identity and Parents Don't Know, misframed the battle over children's rights to safely transition. The piece fails to make clear that court cases brought by parents who want schools to out their trans children are part of a legal strategy pursued by anti-trans hate groups. So in other words, so in other words, you don't quote the people we want you to quote, so that's bad journalism. Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with quoting parents who would have a right to know if the school is trying to tell their child they are a member of the opposite sex. These groups, say, uh, say these open letter writers, have identified trans people as an existential threat to society and seek to replace the American public education system with Christian homeschooling, key context Baker did not provide to Times readers. Well, that, is that every parent who, uh, who's upset is a member of one of these groups? Or are you just making this crap up? Because that's what you do. The natural destination of poor editorial judgment is the court of law. Last year, Arkansas's attorney general filed an amicus brief in defense of Alabama's Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act which would make it a felony punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment for any medical provider to administer a certain gender-affirming medical care to a minor, including puberty blockers that diverges from sex assigned at birth. The brief cited three different New York Times articles to justify its support of the law. Then it cites Bazelon's piece, a piece by Azine Goraishi titled Doctors Debate Whether Trans Teen Need Therapy Before Hormones, and Ross Duthat's How to Make Sense of the New LGBTQ Culture War. 
As recently as February 8th, 2023, attorney David Begley invited testimony to the Nebraska state legislature in support of a similar bill, approvingly cited the Times reporting and relied on its reputation as the quote unquote paper of record to justify criminalizing gender affirming care. So, um, wait, so now your suggestion is that the New York Times shouldn't have printed these pieces because people might use it in evidence in court. That's not a case against printing the pieces. That's a case against you guys actually having anything relevant to say. If you can't defend the point on the merits, why are you blaming the New York Times for people actually using the New York Times in court cases? And then, of course, they point out, quote, Douthat's piece was published in the opinion section, which lost one of the paper's most consistently published trans writers, Jennifer Finney Boylan, following the Times' recent decision not to renew her contract. That, that's hysterical. So how dare they print a piece from Ross Douthat about this issue if you are not going to pay this trans woman? I'm sorry, I didn't realize this is how newspapers are supposed to be run, is that if I don't hire this affirmative action hire that you want me to hire, then I'm not allowed to print an opinion that you disagree with. Got it. This letter continues along these lines. As thinkers, we are disappointed to see the New York Times follow the lead of far-right hate groups in presenting gender diversity as a new controversy warranting new punitive legislation. Puberty blockers, hormone replacement therapy, and gender-affirming surgeries have been standard forms of care for cis and trans people alike for decades. Have they, though? Because they've been banned in a wide variety of European countries. And also, there is no actual lengthy history suggesting what happens when you give hormone blockers to pre-pubertal non-teenagers. Legal challenges to gender nonconformity date back even further, with 34 cities and 21 states passing laws against cross-dressing between 1848 and 1900, usually enforced alongside so-called prohibitions against public indecency that disproportionately targeted immigrants, people of color, sex workers, and other marginalized groups. Such punishments are documented as far back as 1394 when police in England detained Eleanor Reichener on suspicion of the crime of sodomy, exposing her after an interrogation as John. This is not a cultural emergency. What in the actual, what? So your suggestion is that the New York Times publishing well-researched pieces about the cost of dosing small children or minors with cross-sex hormones and then chopping off their breasts or their penises, that that coverage is somehow equivalent to laws from 1394. And, and therefore, this is, this is not a public controversy. And then, of course, they compared this to homosexuality. You no doubt recall a time in more recent history when it was ordinary to speak of homosexuality as a disease at the family dinner table, a norm fostered in part by the New York Times' track record of demonizing queers through the ostensible reporting of science. In 1963, the New York Times published a front-page story with the title Growth of Overt Homosexuality in City Provokes Wide Concern, which stated that homosexuals saw their own sexuality as an inborn incurable disease, one that scientists at the time announced now thought could be cured. The word gay started making its way into the paper. Then in 19... And it goes on and on, citing a bunch of pieces about the newspaper's coverage of homosexuality, which has literally nothing to do with their coverage of trans issues involving, again, the hormonal perversion and sterilization of minors followed by surgical removal of healthy body parts. The letter concludes, some of us are trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming. We resent the fact that our work, but not our person, is good enough for this paper of record. Some of us are cis, and we have seen those we love discover and fight for their true selves, often swimming upstream against currents of bigotry and pseudoscience fomented by the kind of coverage we hear protest. By the way, not one scientific fact appears in this open letter, not one. There's not a study that is cited. There's not data that is, that is cited. Nothing. It's just a foregone conclusion that their perspective is fact. And what the New York Times is promoting, which, by the way, is steeped in science, is actually not even worthy of the debate. 
All of us, dare say, our stance is unremarkable, even common, and certainly not deserving of the Times' intense scrutiny. A tiny percentage of the population is trans, and even smaller percentage of those people face the type of conflict the Times is so intense on magnifying. There is no rapt reporting on the thousands of parents who simply love and support their children, or on the hardworking professionals at the New York Times enduring a workplace made hostile by bias, a period of forbearance that ends today. We await your response. Okay, so that is a tacit threat of legal action against the New York Times. So, I, I've, I feel a conflict. One, the New York Times, its reporting on this has been shockingly decent. Two, the New York Times deserves every iota of this. It deserves every iota. You guys decided to feed, pet, ride, join with the alligator. You were the teeth in the culture, the cancel culture alligator. And now the alligator is eating you. And you guys have it coming. Yeah, have it coming. I'm sorry to break it to you. But we'll go through some of the signatories in a second because it just shows you how absurd this whole thing is. Get to that in just one moment. First, let's, let's talk about maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Okay, the, the, the fact of the matter is that uh, unfortunately, I have a cold this week and I've not been getting enough sleep. And one of the reasons for that is because typically speaking, I don't eat enough vegetables. I've been trying to cure that. And I think that it's going to be effective by using balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the best way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their products are 100% whole food. Balance of nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their product down to the studio for my team to try. It's actually kosher, so I've been able to take advantage of it. I didn't take it last week, and I'm kind of certain that's why I'm not feeling as great this week. I'm going to start taking it again now because I want to feel better next week. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer, plus a free fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. I rely on Balance of Nature because the fact is I'm not good about eating my vegetables. Balance of Nature takes care of the problem for me. Balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so just a reminder, this letter from the New York Times, it was accompanied by a, by a long thread from the president and CEO of GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. GLAAD is, of course, a radical interest group. So radical that they actually put a billboard outside, it's like a mobile billboard on, on a truck. Outside the New York Times, it said every major medical association supports gender-affirming healthcare for transgender youth. The science is settled. Yet the New York Times continues to platform anti-trans activists over medical experts. Dear New York Times, stop questioning trans people's right to exist and access to medical care. Right to exist. Right to exist is such a euphemism for nonsense. Trans people exist in the sense that there are people who believe they are members of the opposite sex. This does not mean they are actually members of the opposite sex. And access to medical care is a hell of a euphemism for it. Chop off breasts and penises and construct fake vaginal canals. And really, that, that is access to medical care. The science is subtle. They, well, I mean, if you guys, if you interest groups shout it, obviously it must be true. 
Sarah Kate Ellis, who's the president and CEO of GLAAD, has a, an entire thread on this accompanying the letter. Again, this is a, it is a concerted campaign to try to defenestrate the New York Times' coverage of this issue. Okay, you got you to silence people. It's important. People not, need to not know that there's controversy surrounding this issue so we can continue to pretend that action to protect minors, particularly, or action to protect science itself from this pseudoscientific garbage, that that action is out of bounds. So here's what Sarah Kate Ellis writes. The New York Times has had a long reputation as a, as a leader in the world of media. The example there, setting for coverage of trans people is downright shameful. From the front page to the opinion page, readers are too often getting an inaccurate view of trans people and issues important to them. With poor reporting that elevates and equates LGBTQ opponents, harmful opinions and concerns to actual facts that have widespread scientific and medical consensus. The Times' inaccurate coverage has been cited in legal documents used to justify discrimination and targeting of trans people. This is chilling. It should give every reader and every leader of the New York Times pause. The LGBTQ community, especially the trans community, is under attack. It's time for the Times to stop this relentless misinformation disguised as disingenuous, just asking questions reporting and ridiculous and harmful opinion pieces that do not represent the reality of trans people's experience. The Times must earn back the LGBTQ community's trust. They have to earn it back, guys. Start, and this is the demand, start by listening, hiring, and reporting accurately and inclusively on trans people. By accurately and inclusively, they mean only the stuff we want you to report. Which, by the way, is the way that GLAD operates. You do realize that in Hollywood, it is common practice for every major show to be pre-screened for GLAD so GLAD can determine whether it fosters anti-gay stereotypes. This is why GLAD literally suggest like glad put out a report after the super bowl saying there weren't enough gay characters in the commercials for the super bowl this is the kind of stuff glad does on a daily basis anything less than an intentional and meaningful effort to reach out to and listen to transgender experts is unconscionable unacceptable a violation of the public trust so as i say um i am perfectly happy to see the new york times take it on the chin i am pleased however that the new york times is actually fighting back Charlie Statlander, the director of external communications, put out a statement, quote, we received the open letter delivered by GLAAD and welcome their feedback. We understand how GLAAD and the co-signers of the letter see our coverage. At the same time, we recognize GLAAD's advocacy mission and the Times' journalistic mission are different. As a news organization, we pursue independent reporting on trans issues that include profiling groundbreakers in the movement, challenges and prejudice faced by the community, and how society is grappling with debates about care. The very news stories criticized in their letter reported deeply and empathetically on issues of care and well-being for trans teens and adults. Our journalism strives to explore, interrogate, and reflect the experiences, ideas, and debates in society to help readers understand them. Our reporting did exactly that, and we're proud of it. So um, good, for, uh, good for the New York Times for defending itself. And also, you guys, you had it coming, you had it coming. You guys decided to feed the Slack idiots, all the people in your Slack channels, all the Nicole Hannah-Joneses in your channels, who thought they were going to control editorial coverage from the inside. And now you have a bunch of liberals who are very upset with you for not being left-wing enough, and they are trying to control you from the outside. By the way, there is irony in some of the people who are signatories to this letter. You have Lena Dunham, who is criticizing the New York Times for being soft on LGBTQ plus minus divided by times issues. This is the same Lena Dunham who bragged in her memoir about essentially sexually harassing her sister. You have Chelsea Manning, as in the trans traitor who took government secrets and then blew them out at WikiLeaks, who's a signatory to this letter. Take that really seriously. And also you have Alison Roman, who, uh, who criticized Marie Kondo and Chrissy Teigen and talks about her own cancellation. And now she's interested in canceling the writers at the New York Times. Well done, everybody. See, here's the thing. Democracy dies in darkness and journalism dies in censorship. And the New York Times is now coming under the gun 
for a movement that it has helped to create in the first place. They didn't think ahead, but you need to think ahead. And this is one reason you need to be using stamps.com. Simple fact of the matter is that you're going to be mailing a lot of stuff this year. And you don't want to schlep all that stuff over to the post office. That is a waste of time. It is a waste of money. The post office is great, but you don't want to wait in line. You don't want to get in the car and schlep all that stuff over with the gas prices. Instead, why not go out and get stamps.com the same way we have at Daily Wire? Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, they automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business directly from your computer. No lines, no traffic, and no waiting. We've been using Stamps.com since 2017. You should do the same. Set your business up for success by getting started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and free digital scale, no long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, enter promo code Shapiro. And so again, so much of the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign, happy face emoji, sad face emoji, cat emoji agenda relies on a conspiracy of silence. It relies on there not being actual journalism on these issues. It is desperate to promote a censorship campaign. Because the thing is that when, when you actually look the science directly in the eye, it cuts directly against what they are saying. It's the only way. It's only by ignoring reality that you can come up with the absurd idea that the assistant, health, the assistant secretary of health and human services, Rachel Levine, who is in fact a man, has some sort of scientific monopoly talking about whether parents should be able to know whether their child is being quote-unquote socially transitioned at school. For those who don't speak the idiotic lingo, socially transitioned means your kid goes to school, expresses gender confusion at the age of seven, and the school immediately starts treating Billy as Jane, keeping dresses in the closet so Billy can change into cross-dressing material and then never telling you as a parent. Rachel Levine, who, again, is a biological dude, is telling you that it is important that you as a parent not know. One example would be the quote-unquote don't say gay law in Florida. You know, studies show that one supportive adult, one supportive adult for an LGBTQI plus kid can make all the difference in terms of, of preventing suicide, in terms of, of them being able to navigate the world and to, to adulthood and leading a, a, you know, a happy, successful, productive life. One supportive adult. I'd love if that was always the parent, but it's not always a parent. Frequently, it's a teacher. Um, or a guidance counselor, or some other or coach, or another school personnel. This law forbids kids. Or a random dude at the YMCA. From, I mean, it could just be anyone. It could be anyone who's not the parent. And also, it, it means that the that if you tell a teacher, the teacher has to tell the parent. You can't. You, you can't tell parents. You, you you shouldn't tell the parents. Says the assistant secretary of health and human services. Now, you may think that that's crazy. You might think it's crazy, because it's crazy. But this is what the science is settled. Crowd is telling you. That your choice is between a dead kid, a kid who's going to commit suicide, and basically the school taking your kid away from you and separating them off from reality and having people like Rachel Levine explain the, the facts of life to them. I, I don't trust a system that promotes this sort of stuff. Do you? This is why actual journalism on that would be good. But this is also why the activist class opposes actual journalism on this matter. And this is how you ended up with a widespread public perception, for example, that Leah Thomas in the media, in the sports media, is a woman. Leah Thomas is a dude. Leah Thomas is a very strong, large male who is defeating women in the pool. And we were told Leah Thomas, he was literally labeled or nominated by the University of Pennsylvania as a, as a NCAA woman of the year, he was. 
And any sort of pushback was considered absolutely absurd. You can't, there's no pushback. You're saying Leah Thomas, a male who apparently exposes his genitals to the women in the locker room, that that, that person should not be in the locker room with women. You're saying that? That's because of bigotry. Well, the, the fact is that if the media had done half a second of digging, they might have realized that Leah Thomas has some real problems as a human. And those problems mean that I would not want Leah Thomas anywhere near a locker room with my daughters, with my wife, with women of any sort. Jake Crane of our show here at Crane & Company, he put out a thread yesterday going through some of the facts about Leah Thomas. So Leah Thomas apparently has a couple of Instagram accounts. He has a public account called Leah K. Thomas, which features some generic photos promoting let trans kids play and all the rest. And then there is a private account, apparently, that is called Leah Timmis. And um, there is a bunch of stuff in this account that is super disturbing, including multiple Instagram posts liked by Leah Timmis, who allegedly is Leah Thomas, talking about autogynephilia, which again is one aspect of the trans community you're never allowed to talk about, which is the idea that men are turned on by the idea of themselves as women. And so it's really not about they want to be a woman. It is they are turned on by, it's, it's a sexual fetish, essentially. Autogynephilia, which has been written about very well by Helen Joyce in her book, Trans, is a male's propensity to be sexually aroused by the thought of himself as female. And Leah Thomas has apparently, allegedly, liked a bunch of posts along these lines. Not only that, Leah Timmis is apparently, allegedly, a member of a polyamorous sex pod. Leah Timmis apparently is, is posting a series of photos or, or, or this person's boyfriend slash girlfriend because Leah Thomas's girlfriend is actually a man who says that he is a woman and has the surgeries to prove it. A person named Gwen posted a series of himself, a series of photos of himself and Leah with the caption cherries and scissors. And, uh, and then Gwen posted a mysteriously round-shaped organ-looking item in a clear ball jar. So, I mean, like, Leah... Thomas is a person. That person has some obvious issues. That person should not be in a locker room with women. I don't know why this is even remotely controversial. But did the media do any of this digging before declaring Leah Thomas the woman of the year? Of course not. Of course not. Because silence is the conspiracy. Silence is the conspiracy. This is true, by the way, throughout the, throughout the entire quote-unquote scientific community. Because ta science has spoken. Perfect example of this on a slightly different issue. So yesterday, CBS News reported that young people had been dying of an elevated rate of heart attack. Here is how CBS News reported that story. Cedars-Sinai Hospital, the number of heart attack deaths among 25 to 44-year-olds in the U.S. over the first two years of the pandemic was 30% higher than predicted. Uh, what stood out to you in this study? I think the fact that you're seeing such a big increase specifically in the youngest age group, so the 25 to 44-year-olds, you saw this 30% increase in the risk of death from heart attack. And that really is quite striking. That's not a group, an age group, in which you normally see heart attacks, much less dying from a heart attack. So CBS News tried to claim that this is because of COVID. It is because young people have gotten COVID, now they're dying of heart attacks. Alternatively, a possible, a possible cause could be the fact that an enormous number of young adults took the vaccines, particularly the Moderna vaccine, which has now been paused in Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Iceland for use in young people. But that's not the kind of stuff that CBS News is going to report, because again, it cuts against the narrative. The conspiracy of silence is the way things get done. And so when the New York Times breaks the silence, the New York Times has to obviously be clubbed about the ears for all of that. Okay, meanwhile, Nikki Haley launched her 
official campaign yesterday. So she put out a campaign launch video a couple of days ago, but she officially launched her campaign with a big speech yesterday. It's kind of fascinating for a couple of reasons. There's some really interesting things about Nikki Haley's candidacy. First, Nikki Haley is, in fact, running on a partially anti-woke agenda. She, she is saying, for example, America is not a racist country, which, you know, used to be, I thought, sort of the road idea in the United States until Joe Biden declared that America is a systemically racist country. But if this is going to be the battle, I think it's a battle that Republicans can win. Here is Nikki Haley yesterday. We must stop socialism before it's too late. It's weakening America from within. But there's something else that's eating away at our national core. On Biden and Harris's watch, a self-loathing has swept our country. It's in the classroom, the boardroom, and the back rooms of government. Every day we're told America is flawed, rotten, and full of hate. Joe and Kamala even say America's racist. Nothing could be further from the truth. The American people know better. My immigrant parents know better. And take it from me, the first minority female governor in history, America is not a racist country. Now, naturally, this is prompting some people to claim that she is running, quote unquote, as a minority. OK, that is not the reason why Nikki Haley is running. Nikki Haley is running because Nikki Haley, like many politicians, would like to be president of the United States. And her main pitch is actually the opposite of the affirmative action pitch. It is. I'm nothing special because I'm a minority because I live in the United States of America where anyone can rise to the top, which happens to be true. Now, the thing that made a lot of headlines yesterday was her tacit slap at both Joe Biden and Donald Trump on the issue of age. And this is a smart play by Nikki Haley. It is because I think most Americans look at the age of Joe Biden and they say, we do not need a president who is 80 years of age right now. And by the way, we do not need a president in Donald Trump who is currently 76 years of age and who after the election of 2024, would presumably be closer to 78 years of age, meaning that he would be in office in his, in his early 80s, 82, 83 years old. So here's Nikki Haley saying what I think a lot of people think, which is maybe we ought to have some mental competency tests for the elderly before we make them president of the United States. When America is distracted, the world is less safe. And today our enemies think that the American era has passed. They're wrong. America is not past our prime. It's just that our politicians are past theirs. In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire. We'll have term limits for Congress. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. So that, of course, made a lot of headlines because everybody can read the tea leaves. Donald Trump is currently 76 years old. And so she's essentially saying you're too old to be president of the United States. Now, again, one of the things that I find really fascinating about Haley's candidacy is not her candidacy nearly as much as the media reaction to her candidacy. As I said yesterday, if you're the media and supposedly Donald Trump is the root of all evil, wouldn't you be eager? You keep, you keep saying things like we need two viable parties and Donald Trump is Hitler and we need to get rid of this guy. The minute that somebody actively declares a candidacy against Donald Trump, your first move is to label her Trump. So Essie Cup over at CNN, she says, yeah, Nikki Haley, she sounds exactly like Trump. In what way does Nikki Haley sound like Donald Trump? I mean, I'm, I'm really going to need some uh, a chart here or something. This seems pretty messy. I mean, how is this a straightforward yeah. argument uh, it, it, as she enters this race? No, her messaging over the past few years has been very contradictory, not just about Trump, uh, but about 
about January 6th, about about wokeism, about Confederate flag. She's going to really have to reconcile sort of the messiness of her positions when she's challenged, like, for the first time by a, you know, an aggressive press. She'll have to explain why being generationally new is actually new in terms of policy. Um, because to me, she sounded a lot like um, Trumpism, just with a, you know, um, bigger words. Oh, well, she sounds like Trumpism. Everybody is Trump, guys. Remember, I, I told you this years ago. The minute that Donald Trump was off the scene, the first move would be whoever succeeds Donald Trump is just like Donald Trump. The, the most absurd response to all of this, by the way, is after Nikki Haley suggested that people over the age of 75 should have a mental competency test before we elect them president of the United States, Don Lemon of CNN, he immediately suggested that she's not in her prime. Now, if this was said by literally any other host on TV, we would recognize this for what it is, which is sexism. Nikki Haley is 51 years old. Nikki Haley is not over the hill. Nikki Haley is, is not even remotely in the elderly category in the United States. She is 51 years old. Here is Don Lemon suggesting that she is not in her prime. By the way, Don Lemon is currently 56 years of age. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you talking about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Well, you know, politicians aren't in their I think prime. We need, they to need to qualify. To are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking don't shoot about the message prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google you know, Google or whatever What an absurd human being Don Lemon is. What an absurd, ridiculous, and sexist human being Don Lemon is. Obviously, we are talking about political prime. 51 is very, very young in political terms. We currently have a couple of octogenarians running for president of the United States. And... Don Lemon is saying 51 isn't in, in your prime politically. Yes, there is a difference, I would assume, between your sexual prime and your political prime or your childbearing prime and your political. That, that is like the most sexist thing I've seen a mainstream host say on national TV. And she can go, like, people are just going to ignore it because Don, Don Lemon is gay and black. And therefore, we have to pretend that everything that he says is decent and OK. But literally any other host says that. Auntie, like if somebody said, you know, Kamala Harris is not in her prime, Kamala Harris. You know, we know that she's not in her prime because Kamala Harris, I mean, by age, Kamala Harris right now is 58 years old. She is seven years older than Nikki Haley. And, you know, if you Google it, woman is in intersexual prime at 58. She ain't. So Kamala Harris, is like, if I said that, boycotts galore. Don Lemon says that sort of thing on CNN. Everybody goes, well, you know, he is Don Lemon. So I guess it's unbelievable stuff there from um, the journalismers over at CNN. OK, in just a second, we'll talk about the vulnerability of the Biden administration in 2024, but really the vulnerability of the United States because of Joe Biden's policies. Because on the economic level, there's a new report that came out yesterday. It is terrifying with regard to the future of the economy of the United States. Speaking of which, if you're running a business, it's been a pretty rough time for you. And because it's been a pretty rough time, you need to make sure that you are at least buttoned up. Okay, one of the big things that people do not think about when they start a business is HR. It's like the last thing you think about. You're thinking about your market. You're thinking about how you get your product to market. You're thinking about how you structure your business. You're not thinking about like the liability issues that arise when you have a bunch of employees. And so you ignore HR. And then along comes a lawsuit. And suddenly you're like, oh, no, I should have handled HR. This is why you need Bambi. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager. 
This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They will help you run employee onboardings, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR Autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. All of Bambi's HR managers are based in the United States and can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at just $99 per month. Schedule a free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. And type in Ben Shapiro when you sign up. Helps us. Helps them as well. Get the HR coverage you need. Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro. Also, it seems everywhere you turn, the world wants to make you woker and less wise, but not Dennis Prager. Dennis would like to make you more wise. Dennis my good friend, founder of PragerU, is going to do just that. He has a brand new series exclusively at Daily Wire Plus. It is called The Master's Program. The Master's Program takes decades of wisdom and experience from one of the most influential conservative thinkers in the country and distills it all down in a way that's relevant and accessible. When you watch it, you'll come away better equipped to navigate the world through a lens of truth and virtue and to counter woke ideology and all of its lies and deception. Dennis has had a personal impact on my life. My parents drew closer to Orthodox Judaism, to biblical living. Because of listening to Dennis, a brand new episode of PragerU Master's Program is available to stream right now only over at Daily Wire Plus. Head on over to dailywireplus.com, become a member, watch PragerU Master's Program and more, dailywireplus.com today. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden's economic agenda is a complete fail. So U.S. retail sales apparently rebounded sharply in January. The PPI rose dramatically. Apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, the consumer roared back last month with a 3% increase in retail spending. That was the largest monthly gain in nearly two years, adding to evidence that U.S. economic growth picked up at the start of the year. The seasonally adjusted jump in U.S. retail sales in January from December, which the Commerce Department reported on Wednesday, followed declines in the final two months of 2022 as shoppers spent more on vehicles, furniture, clothing, and eating out. Okay, now, there is a problem with this, which is that the wholesale prices rose 0.7% in January, more than expected, fueling another inflation increase. Core PPI increased 0.5% compared to expectations for a 0.3% increase. And this is all because the Federal Reserve blew too much money into the economy and because Joe Biden's entire political agenda is blowing money into the economy. And so inflation is absolutely crushing consumers, which is why you have an article in the Wall Street Journal titled, To Save Money, Maybe You Should Skip Breakfast. I think this should be the campaign slogan for Joe Biden 2024. Joe Biden 2024, skip breakfast. This is not a good pitch. Several breakfast staples saw sharp price increases due to a perfect storm of bad weather and disease outbreaks and continued effects from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, according to the Wall Street Journal. Egg prices increased 8.5% in January from a month earlier. They're up 70% over the past year. That is the highest annual rate since 1973. Frozen non-carbonated fr juices and drinks, that includes frozen orange juice, rose by 1.5% in January from a month earlier. That is a 12.4% annual increase. That is the highest in a decade. Breakfast cereal increased more modestly, but prices in the category were up 15% over the course of the last year. Prices for roasted coffee declined by 0.1% last month. Instant coffee rose by 3.6% monthly increase. So again, the cost on everything is going up. And while the inflation is continuing to ratchet up, the amount of money that Joe Biden has added to the national debt is absolutely astonishing. It is astonishing. The Congressional Budget Office released figures on Wednesday that should scare the living hell out of anyone who assumes that the future of the United States should last for more than about another decade. According to the New York Times, the United States is on track to add nearly $19 trillion to the national debt over the next decade. $19 trillion over the course of the next decade. Okay, just to put this in perspective, what this means is that if you exclude 2020 and 2021, 
which were the years of the pandemic. Really should exclude 2020, but not 2021, because by, by 2021, again, the vaccines were already widely available. People should have been getting back to work and all of the bailouts under Joe Biden were completely counterproductive. Every single deficit for the next 10 years is larger than any year's deficit in American history. That is, at least since the, the end of the Nixon administration. These are astonishing numbers. We are going to go from about $31 trillion national debt to $50 trillion national debt over the course of the next decade. That is for sure an underestimate, by the way. The new forecasts project a $1.4 trillion gap this year between what the government spent and what it takes in from tax revenues. Remember, Joe Biden's out there lying to you that he brought down the deficit. By brought down the deficit, he means we spent more money than any time in human history two years ago. And then we spent second most amount of money the following year. But because it was the second most, that was a reduction from the first most. To put those numbers in context, the total amount of debt held by the public will equal the total annual output of the United States economy in 2024. That rises to 118% of the economy by 2033. So in other words, if we had to pay off our debt all at once, thank God we don't, that would take the entirety of the American economy. Congress's nonpartisan budget scorekeeper now projects that the U.S. economy will barely grow this year at all after adjusting for inflation, that unemployment will rise above 5% before growth reaccelerates next year. It attributes the slowdown in growth to the Federal Reserve's campaign to tame inflation by raising those interest rates. Again, inflation remains extraordinarily high. As you mentioned yesterday, 6.4% annualized inflation rate in January follows. Over the previous year, a 7.5% inflation rate. So that means over the course of the last couple of years, you're talking about a 12, 13% inflation rate. The updated projections could supercharge a partisan debate between Biden and Republicans over taxes, spending, and the nation's debt limit. And Joe Biden is lying to you when he says that he is fiscally responsible. He's the least fiscally responsible president in American history. He makes Barack Obama look like Bill Clinton. And it, it is an amazing, amazing thing. The CBO says, quote, if the debt limit is not raised or suspended before the extraordinary measures are exhausted, the government would be unable to pay its obligations. But here's the reality. If we don't long-term restructure our debt, we are going to have much bigger problems in our future. Prediction right now, mark it down, February 16th, 2023, we'll have much bigger problems in our future. Everyone will keep kicking the can down the road on this thing. Newly enacted legislation in the past nine months alone adds about $1.5 trillion to cumulative deficits over the next decade, according to the budget office. More than half of that increase comes from a single law, an expansion of healthcare benefits for military veterans who are exposed to toxic burn pits. That passed overwhelmingly in both the House and the Senate. Now, again, this, this effectively presumes that literally any American service member stationed in a combat zone for 32 years could have been exposed to a burn pit, which I'm sorry, it sounds great and it's a bad law. That, that isn't... I also would like to have recompense for people who are exposed to toxic burn pits. That is not every member of the military for the last 32 years. Apparently, Joe Biden continues to claim that he is being fiscally responsible. And of course, he's got his priorities straight. Where is he, where is he putting his priorities? Well, not on anything remotely like fiscal responsibility. He says we need to build some electric charging stations, of course. You can't afford your eggs, but he thinks that you're going to replace your gas guzzler, your, your Toyota Corolla from 2007. He thinks you're going to replace that like right now with a Tesla, which costs you seventy-five dollars to $100,000. Here's Joe Biden talking about electric vehicle charging stations. You know, this is going to have a major impact on the environment, what we're doing, specifically reducing carbon in the air as we begin to move these 500,000 charging stations around the world, I mean, around the country. And ultimately, it's going to take millions of barrels of oil off the road. Oh, the priorities. Oh, the priorities. Such wonderful priorities from the president of the United States. So we're only destroying the American economy for the next several decades. There will come a point, by the way, where people stop buying our debt. 
The only reason that people, people keep buying our debt is because we are still the least bad bet. But there will come a point where some country gets wise, lowers its corporate tax rate to 7% instead of 15% and starts eating our lunch. It doesn't take a big country to do that, by the way. Countries will just, re, companies will just reshore. They will take their money and they will put it in less regulated, less taxed systems. And then we're screwed. That's really all it takes. We're very lucky because it turns out that everybody is more socialistic than we are. That doesn't mean that we are not increasingly socialistic in this country in terms of regulation, redistribution of income, nationalization of industry, and all the rest. Meanwhile, the incompetence that just infects every aspect of the Biden administration we talked about yesterday continues. So you'll recall that the, um, the EPA, they blew up a train filled with toxic chemicals. This was their solution. And then they said, well, you know, it's okay. You can still drink the water. They said that for like five minutes. And then the dead fish started, started popping up everywhere. Here was a video yesterday of what it looked like when dead fish started uh, arriving on the shores of uh, East Palestine, Ohio. The EPA does say that the area well and groundwater are safe. However, after this couple saw dead fish in this creek that you're looking at, they're deciding to not take any chances. Oh, there was hundreds. Russell Murphy is referring to the fish now belly up in Leslie Run. He and his wife noticed them last night, barely 48 hours after the fiery derailment five miles away. You know, is this stuff safe to drink? At today's press conference, the EPA says it's safe. We have been able to successfully control that runoff and contain the water and either treat it in place along with a robust sampling program for the water quality to keep, and we continue to expand that. And that will continue throughout this uh, operation. Good thing Pete Buttigieg is focused laser-like on all the things that matter. Too many white people on construction crews. Uh, he apparently, according to Politico, is drawing newfound criticism from both sides of the aisle. His response has been to blame everybody else. He says, glad to see newfound bipartisan agreement here. We could start by discussing immediate steps Congress could take to address rail safety and reduce constraints on the Department of Transportation in this area. Give us a call. We can do some good work. Um, or theoretically, you could do your job. Representative Guy Renschenthaler, he says, Pete Buttigieg is always first in line to spew radical Green New Deal talking points, but when a train derailment causes one of the worst environmental disasters in history, he is silent for 10 days. That is correct. Even Rashida Tlaib was sounding off on this thing because apparently she Googled Palestine and up came East Palestine. She's like, maybe I should sound off on this one too. Quote, the rail industry continues to put profits over the health of their workers and our residents. This train derailment has burned off hazardous chemicals and fumes linked to cancer that are toxic to this community and our environment. Secretary Pete must ensure this never happens again. Well, I have a question. What has he done that's good? Can anyone name a thing that the people who judge has done that's good? You know, related to transportation. Anyone? Bueller, anything? No? Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I, I think that he was, again, a diversity hire, and diversity hires don't tend to do a very good job. Now, speaking of incompetent government employees, there is a woman named Karen Decker, and she became an issue on, on the interwebs yesterday. And uh, the reason for this is because she is the charge d'affaires to the U.S. mission in Afghanistan, which means she's now stationed not in Afghanistan because the place is run by the Taliban since Joe Biden decided to turn over the entire country to 8th century barbarians, again, a bunch of American soldiers killed in the process while lying to the American people as Afghans fell off of American wheel wells. Well, now she's doing the important stuff. She's doing the really important stuff, you know, the, the important work. So right now you have 19 million Afghan women who are living under the repressive tyranny of one of the world's worst regimes. But she is tweeting out the things that matter. Here's what she tweeted out, February 15th, 2023, quote, are Afghans familiar with hashtag black girl magic and the movement it inspired? Do Afghan girls need a similar movement 
What about Afghan women? Teach me. Ready to learn. Hashtag Black History Month. At Beyonce. At Lizzo. At Regina King. They can't go to school because we pulled out under your president. And you are wondering if Afghan women know anything about black girl magic? It didn't stop there. Super Bowl. Two elite QBs who happen to be black made history in epic showdown. Congrats to Chiefs for thrilling victory. Afghan, what's the most exciting sports match you remember? Hashtag Black History Month. Could you possibly be more disconnected? The most exciting sporting match that Afghans remember is that time that the Taliban played polo with a goat head. That's like the most important sporting, or, or the time that the Taliban went to a sports arena and shot an adulterer in the head or whipped a woman for not wearing her burqa properly. That's the most exciting, like the disconnect between the, the elite class who've been staffing the State Department for the last 30 years. This lady's a career staffer at the State Department and, uh, and actual situations on the ground. And, and it's like this, like the whole month, the whole month she's been tweeting this crap. Quote, Abe Lincoln, born today in 1809. He did some stuff. It's also NAACP Day, home of grassroots activism, inclusive communities, and making sure black voices are heard. What does that look like for Afghans struggling to be heard? Hashtag Black History Month at NAACP at Lincoln's Cottage. Well, it's good to know that Abe Lincoln did some stuff. Also, what does it look like, grassroots activism? Well, it looks like you get shot in the face. That's what it looks like in Afghanistan because the president of the United States, like a coward, cut and ran from Afghanistan and let a bunch of people take our military hardware on the ground. That would be it. Again, it's just like all of this. International Day of Women and Girls in Science. You go, Dr. Mae Jemison, also Alice Ball, and then a bunch of names. The Afghan Girls Robotics Team. Uh, does that still exist, the Afghan Girls Robotics Team? I, I do not. I do not think so. I don't think so. Charged affair, Karen Decker. A slow clap for these career employees over at the deep state. I ran up against the tweet limit, she says, not the list of names. Afghan women are being denied the chance to study science. What kind of scientists does Afghanistan need? Hashtag Black History Month. Hashtag let Afghan girls learn. Well, I mean, if you hashtagged it, it's going to happen, clearly. What kind of scientist does Afghanistan need? Maybe just any science, like any of it. That would be good since it is now a primitive barbaric backwater. Maybe you'd be these, these geniuses. A heartfelt thank you to all the women and men who never gave up on voting rights for all Americans. And a question for Afghans. Where do you see the power of perseverance at work? Hashtag Black History Month. Where do Afghans see the power of perseverance? Not in America, they don't, since we abandoned them to their fate. This is the charged affair for the U.S. ambassador in Kabul. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. So these are the people who run your government. Genius level material there. Alrighty, time for some things I like, and then we'll do some things that I hate. So things I like, I like clarity. I do enjoy clarity. And so it makes me happy when reality occurs. And so you are seeing this in California, where... You know, after I led an exodus from California in which I parted the waters of the Colorado River and led forth a journeying assemblage into the wilderness and ended up in the promised land of Florida, it turns out I wasn't the only one. According to the LA Times, the California exodus has shown no sign of slowing down as the state's population dropped by more than 500,000 people between April 2020 and July 2022, with the number of residents leaving surpassing those moving in by nearly 700,000. Woo! That is a big number. That population decrease was second only to New York, which lost about 15,000 more people than California, according to census data. Yeah, they, they say that they are doing an amazing job and then everyone is leaving. Everyone who has money is leaving. If you can afford to get out, you're getting out. When I talk to my friends from California, the question for them isn't, do you want to leave? It's, can I afford to leave, right? Meaning I have a bunch of assets tied up here. My business is still here. I have family here. No one is like, man, California is just doing amazing. California is in great shape. 
Not seeing a lot of that. So good for people for, uh, for getting the hell out of California. I welcome you to your new homeland of Florida as long as you leave the California values behind. And meanwhile, again, I like clarity. And this is why I really do appreciate the South Dakota State House of Representative, District 10 Representative, a person named Erin Healy. I really like this. She tweeted out, quote, extremist group Family Heritage Alliance said this morning that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief. Just to get this completely solid. It is a dangerous, un-American belief to say the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. I urge all Democrats to run on this slogan. Now, by the way, Democrats, largely in the elite class, believe this. Not the rank-and-file Democrats. Rank-and-file Democrats don't believe for a second what Aaron Healy is saying. In fact, very few sane people believe that the safest place for a child is not in the home of a married mom and dad. But the best place for them is in a place with two dads, two moms, just a mom, just a dad, random relatives, the school system. Married mom and dad has been the basis of child raising for literally thousands of years and is in fact the safest place because mom provides comfort and dad provides security and that is the basic bargain. But the fact that this has become controversial, dangerous and un-American. See, this, this is the thing. People who are hardcore social leftists, they do believe it's un-American because their version of America is a libertine America in which transgression of social norms is the freedom that is promised to you. The freedom for you is not the freedom of, of owning property in your own name, for example, and then dispensing with that property as you see fit. It's not the freedom to raise your family within the boundaries of social, uh, of, of social institutions like the family. True freedom is blowing up all those institutions. The most American thing is destroying the family. It is the most American thing. Now, it just happens to cross streams with the most extreme forms of Marxism, but sure, it's the most American thing. And so, you know, I really do appreciate when people show you who they are. So thanks to Representative Aaron Healy on that one. Also, people showing who they are. So Chelsea Handler cannot let this thing go. So we've talked about Chelsea Handler the last couple of days because, again, she started it. No one was talking about Chelsea Handler until Chelsea Handler decided that she was going to basically go online and put out a video talking about how wonderful it was not to have kids and how, how happy she is not to have kids. And some of us looked at that and went, mm, you don't look that happy. And the life you're describing doesn't sound that happy. And trying to model that behavior for young women and pretend that this is the height of human happiness is a lie. And then Chelsea Handler responded to that. And then some of us responded to that. So Chelsea Handler is neglecting the first rule of holes, which is to stop digging. When you say that the height of human happiness is eating an edible at 6 a.m., going back to sleep and masturbating, and then getting up and drinking a lot of wine and doing Xanax. I got to say, that doesn't sound like happiness to me. But we've noted that. Some of us have noted this. Tucker noted this. I've noted this. Matt Walsh, like a, a lot of us on the right have, have noted that Chelsea Handler doesn't seem like a particular model of female happiness. She's very angry about that. But she's happy. She's not angry. She's not upset. She's happy. But let her tell you how happy she is. Behold, a day in the life of a childless woman. The point is to make you feel good about being an aging, deeply unlikable woman who never had kids. Narcissism, it makes you happy. Feminists like Chelsea Handler, they've been lied to by their society forever. Yeah. That you could be a girl boss and you can do anything a man can do, which everyone who's ever seen a woman back up a vehicle knows that's not true. Your womb resembles a dried up tumbleweed blowing down an old western town. And your Valentine's Day date for the 10th year in a row is a 10 year old copy of Magic Mike and a half full bottle of Xanax. And you're trying to pretend like you're happy but you're not happy. This lady is miserable. I mean, she is miserable and it's written all over her face how miserable she is. 
Hey everyone, I woke up this morning, well, more like this afternoon, and noticed that there was an emergency meeting of the Receding Hairline Society to discuss a comedy video I filmed about not wanting kids. Wow, why would I even need my own children when I get to hear these crybabies all the time? I mean, I can't believe that bearded version of Tucker Carlson thinks I would take a half a bottle of Xanax. I'd take way more than that, you silly goose. Look, I don't want to debate whether or not I'm a girl boss, although I did just look at my bank account and think, that's pretty girl boss. And then I thought about the 10 different people, plus 10 plus different people I've been able to put through college. And then I remembered my six New York Times bestselling books. Or was it five? Oh, no, 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 it was six. And then I remember my recent stand-up special that was just released on Netflix called Revolution. And I thought, yeah, you are a girl boss. You guys seem so triggered by me. I mean, my goodness, Tucker, I think it is time for you to ask yourself a serious question. Are you really upset about how much freedom I have? Or are you upset that you haven't been able to take it away from me yet? Oh, and quick shout out to Ben Shapiro. Thank you for helping my cause of not having children. Who needs the birth control pill when your voice is 100% effective? I don't need a husband, Ben, because I'm in a relationship with myself. And at least in my relationship, ah. someone can get a woman to come. And by all means, Tucker, if you want to respond to my triggers, I will be happy to keep putting out videos as long as you want. I think we both know ah. that you are hate masturbating to me. And I'm down with that. She is, uh, wow. Try and convince yourself that she's happy. I'm not even going to bother responding to Chelsea Handler's specific commentary on my voice or sexual aptitude. Um, because why would I? I will just note the final results here. Happily married for nearly 15 years. My wife is currently pregnant with our fourth child. She's a single 47-year-old woman who drowns her sorrows in enormous barrels of wine. Again, the proof is in the pudding. And uh, she is a very unhappy person who just keeps going online to post cringe about how, how happy she is. See, here's the thing about, about happy people. They don't spend their whole life telling you how happy they are well, their eyes tell you a different story. And that is Chelsea Handler in a nutshell. She is so happy, guys. She's so happy. She's really, really, really happy. She's happy. Mm. Okay. Sure. All righty, guys. The rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into Klaus Schwab and company. They've been suggesting it's time for some global government. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. <laughs> Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlow, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlow's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlow's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE.